today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you were to characterize your Christian life, would it resemble that of a factory or would it resemble that of a garden? Because you know what happens in a garden? Things grow. You know what happens in a factory? Things are produced. I had to say it like that, just for the effects. <laughs> we got work to get done. We got deadlines to meet. We got products to produce. Come on, let's go. That's the factory. Is that what your life's like? There's a big difference between a life lived in the grace God has given you and one spent trying to make yourself feel good enough for His love. Today, Pastor J.D. shares that God wants you to grow and thrive as you walk close to Him. You'll be encouraged to take stock of your life to see if you're relying on grace or law. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Timothy chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Let's get to the Word. Ah, so looking forward to our study today. Beginning in verse 1, chapter 2, 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. Don't think of him as like a teenager. He's probably some believe in his 30s, which is still young. And uh, Paul, of course, is at the end of his life. And this is the last letter he's going to write. It's almost like his parting words. And what a better letter to write than to Timothy, who he loves and sees as a son. And he even says as much here in verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And verse 2, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me, verse 3, in suffering. Oh, that's what I said. (laughs) Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving, verse 4, as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer, verse 6, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And then verse 7, he says this, Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So I spent some time this week in this passage beginning here in chapter 2 and really sought the Lord. And I have to confess, I struggled a little bit, wrestled a little bit with the Lord concerning what it is that He would have me to talk about. And 
He sort of settled my heart on this matter of (laughs) deadly dangers. I know that's kind of an ominous title, but it's what I would argue are amongst the deadliest dangers in the life of a Christian. Would you agree with me that we live in dangerous times and perilous times? You know, this is no time to be playing church. Uh, this is not a playground. We're, we're in a battleground, and the battle is raging on, especially in these last days. You know, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, this is what we love about God's Word. It always speaks to wherever you're at in your life. doesn't matter where you're at in God's Word. It always speaks to where you're at in your life and what's going on in your life. And such is the case with the text that we have before us today. I found five, you might find more, five dangers that can be deadly to a Christian. And by deadly I mean in the spiritual sense, a dead Christian who has no life, no joy, no fire, no nothing. (laughs) I mean, dead man walking, if I can say it like that. I mean, there's just no life. They're just going through the motions. Well, there are these dangers that can take up residence in the life of a Christian, and we're going to look at those today. Let's start with the first one in verse (laughs) 1. This is a killer. Legalism. Here, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy that the source of his much-needed strength comes in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. You know, verse 1, you you read verse 1 and you just read past verse 1. But I think to do so is to err greatly because of what Paul is saying here. I realize it might seem like a firm grasp of the obvious, but it's all of grace, not works. And what Paul is saying here can be easily missed Because what he's saying here to Timothy is that strength that you have in Christ, it comes vis-a-vis grace. That's where the strength comes. That's the source of your strength. Here's what I'm thinking. It has to be. Because if it's not, absent God's undeserved favor absent God's grace, will be crushed under the weight of our own guilt and condemnation. If we think that we've somehow deserved God's blessing and favor, then what we've done in effect, and this is what the enemy will try to get us to do, is to move from grace into works. That's the flesh. And that's the worst possible place it can be. Pastor Chuck Smith 
wrote a book, one of my favorite books in my library. It's titled, Why Grace Changes Everything. And in that book, he draws this, I mean, it's such a perfect picture comparing a garden to a factory. You're already getting the point here. What's in the factory? Oh, sweat, stress, deadlines, work. What's in the garden? Peace, calm, tranquility, no works, no sweat. I'm struck by, in the Old Testament, the strictness with which the priests would serve in the tabernacle and subsequently in the temple. They were required to cover themselves with a robe that covered all of their flesh, so that when they would step up to offer the sacrifice on the altar, that robe would not come up and expose their flesh, because no flesh is going to glory in His presence. There could, and it had to be made of cotton, not other fabrics, because there could be no sweat, no works, no flesh. It was a picture of grace. Grace changes everything. The question becomes this. If you were to characterize your Christian life, would it resemble that of a factory, or would it resemble that of a garden? Because you know what happens in a garden? Things grow. You know what happens in a factory? Things are produced. I had to say it like that, just for the effects. (laughs) We got work to get done. We got deadlines to meet. We got products to produce. Come on, let's go. That's the factory. Is that what your life's like? Is that what your Christian life resembles? Let me take it a step further. It's kind of like this. Kind of had a good week last week. You were grateful for and expressed your thanksgiving to the Lord for His abundant blessings. And certainly, (laughs) He's a blessing God, abundantly so. It's a pretty good week. Hey, God's going to be good to me this week. Is that how you live? What about when you have a bad week? better lay low. What are you talking about? Yeah, because you know, I kind of messed up. Oh, you're not under grace? Well, it sounds like you're under the law. And listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He said, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, speaking of the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, (laughs) but the Spirit gives life. You know, the Christian to be most pitied is the Christian that lives under the crushing weight of always trying to earn God's favor. It doesn't work like that. Because here's what will happen. You will live under this auspice, and the enemy's right there again. God's angry with you. 
And he'll build this infrastructure of guilt and condemnation. And no Christian, I don't care how strong you think you are, can bear up under that crushing weight of legalism. It'll kill you. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. It's all of grace. When I say this to you, I want you to think about this. Ask yourself, do you really believe this? That there's absolutely nothing you can do to make God love you less. Let that sink in. Casey had a bad week. Casey, you blew it. Casey, you messed up. What, you think God's in heaven going, you did it again? No. It's all of grace. And when you live under grace and not under works, it's the grace of God. It's the kindness of God. When you realize that God's not going to just zap you because of grace, oh, that, that changes everything. See, now, instead of keeping my distance, oh, I better lay low. I blew it. No, it's, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. What's grace? We, we affectionately define it as unmerited favor. I don't think that even begins to scratch the surface of the definition of grace. I think grace by its very nature, as one said, is, is not definable. Undefinable? Is that a word? Let's just say that's a word, undefinable. <laughs> it's been said that grace is God giving you what you don't deserve, what you've not earned, and mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. <laughs> I'll take both. Thank you very much. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know it well. We are saved by grace, through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And isn't that the truth when it comes to works? Look at me. (laughs) Oh, highly favored of God. Certainly you have merited God's favor. Come on. That Christian life is a factory, not a garden. That's not grace. That's works. Works kill. The law kills. Grace, the Holy Spirit, gives life. The second one is, well, they're all a biggie, but this is a biggie. This is a biggie of biggies. Okay. Selfishness. The importance of what Paul says here, again, like verse 1, can be easily missed at first read, such that it deals with a Christian not being an island to themselves. Stay with me. Let me explain. If we think it's all about self, we become an island to ourself, then we become like the Dead Sea in Israel, where nothing flows to it, or from it, or grows in it. 
It's for this reason that Paul exhorts Timothy to impart and entrust what he's received to others. I've been talking to the Lord about this example, so just bear with me on this. Here's what that looks like, and please know I am speaking of no one here in this church. You guys are just marvelous. I'm talking about other carnal Christians, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They go into church, it's all about them. And they sit down, God forbid somebody's not in their seat. That's my seat. Oh. Okay. And the body language, oh my goodness. All right, let's get this show on the road. The worship better be good today. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so, there must be a misunderstanding here. Oh, it's for you, the worship. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, no, 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 wait, no, no, because yeah, here's, here's, here's what you're saying without saying it. Again, I, I'm not talking about you. These are other, other Christians. Nobody's folding their arms right now, I can tell you that. <laughs> they're, just, they're just sitting there like, yeah. <laughs> All right, bless me. <laughs> and then the pastor gets up. That's the pastor? Yeah. Oh, what's this guy going to say now? Better not be long. Well, you're in the wrong church. If you're here, <laughs> yeah, you already know. Yeah. Hey, tell me what I want to hear. Oh, I better know the song. I don't know that song. Oh, you don't? Well, let me teach it to you then. So here's what happens. <laughs> that is a sad Christian, isn't it? Again, nobody here. We're talking about those carnal Christians elsewhere. But it's the Christian who says, it's all about me. You know that song we sing? I love that song. I, I hate to ruin it when I do this. It's all about you, Jesus, you liar. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> it's not all about Jesus. It's all about you, dude. You're, you're thinking, of, bless me with the worship. Yeah. I want to be able to sing along. I need, I, I need to know the song. I need to like the song. If I don't like the song, I don't like you. <laughs> you know what's sad? I won't stay too long on this for what I think might be deemed obvious reasons, but you know what's sad? We're going to see it later on here in Second Timothy. This is really heartbreaking, actually, in all seriousness. Churches and pastors have acquiesced to this. Keep it fast, keep it moving, keep it interesting, keep it relevant. Worship's got to be really cool, man. Hey, we need effects. Lights, smoke machine. I mean, again, sad, but you would think you walked it. Listen, I, I got out of the world, and I came to Christ to get away from the world. 
not to find the world in the church. I mean, you go to some churches and you would think you were at a rock concert. I mean, Mike, you know when you get older, that music gets louder, doesn't it? You know when you're young, it's like, oh, turn it up! You get older, like, oh, turn it down. (laughs) Right? It's kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. Is this a performance of man? Or is this the worship of God? You know, when we get to heaven, what do you think you're going to be doing? (sighs) You're going to be worshiping before the throne. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Holy, holy, holy. Where's the reverence? Where's the holiness? It's gone. It's man-centered. And the sermons, man-centered. Five keys to this, seven secrets to that. What? Wait, wait, where's that in here? Sounds like a seminar. Number three, verses three and four, entanglements. Here, Paul starts with the first of three illustrations concerning potential dangers to the Christian This one having to do with suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Specifically, as it relates to not getting entangled with, or if you prefer, distracted by the things of this world. We're at war. You don't have time for these matters. They are inconsequential. Because we're at war. Yeah, but you say, no, this is a good thing. Fine. Maybe a good thing. But if you don't detach yourself from it, deny yourself of it, you'll in effect be caught up in it and distracted, dare I say, derailed by it. And that's dangerous in the life of a Christian. You think about those who serve in the military, certainly those who have been on the battlefield. You know what you find it interesting, by the way, that Paul would say a good soldier, the implication being that, you mean I could be a soldier but not a good one? Yeah. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D., We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 2 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. If God calls you to something, answer His calling. He's faithful to use you and your giftings to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
You may already read the Bible. You may even attend church. But have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be a part of a church. If you're ever in the Kaneohe area, we would love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.